Hey, Beaver Nation, it's time to get inside the huddle with the Damn Podcast. The Damn Podcast is your weekly ticket to Oregon State football and recruiting news. Here's your host of the Damn Podcast, BeaverBlitz.com publisher, Angie Machado. Welcome back to another episode of the Damn Podcast. I am your host, Angie Machado. With me for another year is our fearless beat writer, Carter Baines. Carter, how in the heck are you? It has been a while. I'm great. Ball camp is is back. Football's back. Uh, the Damn Podcast is back. Uh, feels like we're getting back into the swing of things, and uh, the season's right around the corner. So it's it's going to be a fun year for Oregon State football, and I'm ready to preview some of it. Seriously. I mean, I was thinking it's been two years since we've actually had a fall camp like this, an August camp. Um, so just talk about how excited you were. We've only had two practices, but how good did it feel to get back out on the field? Yeah, this was the first fall camp that we were actually able to watch in person since 2019. Um, and so those first two days were, were really cool getting back out there and seeing not only the players and coaches out there, but even like standing on the sideline and looking around and seeing media members' faces, not covered in masks and everything. It was like, it was good to have those like personal connections back. Uh, Cause that's, you know, that's one of the fun parts of our job is, is getting to meet all of the, the really nice people that we get to work with and um, having in-person interviews again. And it's, there's a bit of a learning curve to it. Like I, I was setting up like my video and I had the microphone and I was like, Am I doing all of this right? Because it's been two years since we had in-person interviews. And um, it's, it's been nice to have that in-person contact with with the players and coaches again. Yeah, it was, um, I, I covered on Wednesday um, for media day. And oh my gosh, I had to dig my backpack out and find my cords and my video camera and make sure everything was plugged in. Because, you know, Zoom was okay. I mean, Zoom did, served its purpose and it made life really easy for us, but it was, it was good to see the smiles and, um, there's an energy, there's a definite energy. And I, I think you have felt that as well. Um, so they start up Friday. We are taping this on a Sunday late afternoon. You've seen two practices and I, I figure it, this first podcast, we want to just kind of, let's just run our listeners through kind of a quick preview of the positions, um, and kind of get them up to speed. There's going to be some names that maybe you aren't familiar with if you're more of a casual fan. Um, and then who's notably absent. We can, we can run down that maybe first who has maybe been on the sidelines early on here, Carter. So I've got five guys on my list so far that I've noticed, uh, Ben, Ben Goldbrunson, uh, quarterback. He's out until the middle of the season with a shoulder injury that he sustained in spring camp. Um, so he's just kind of walking around the sidelines and observing and doing a little bit of work indoors with the trainers. Uh, Tegan Cotoriano at tight end uh, suffered a, a foot injury over the summer, and he's uh, he's going to be limited throughout the first couple of weeks of camp. They're going to play it safe with him. He's not really doing anything right now, um, but I would expect to see him get back on the field by the time camp is over um, and, and maybe get back into the lineup for week one. Mikey Alfieri at the running back position is also uh, super limited. You know, he's, he's doing warmups and everything with the team, but not going in any of the live drills. And then on the defensive side, Jonathan Riley tore his ACL in spring camp. He'll be out for the year as he recovers from that. Uh, so no, no surprise there, not seeing him on the field. Uh, but, but one guy that we didn't expect to see out on day one was Jaden Grant. 
not even not even really going through the the pre-practice stretches. We talked to Jonathan Smith uh, on Friday after day one. He said it's a, a lower leg thing, pretty minor. They're just playing it really cautious with him right now. Um, and so all indications point to him being back uh, sooner rather than later. Great, great. Yeah, that was interesting because Jaden was one of the five players who met with the media on media day and he didn't allude to anything being wrong, um, but we'll definitely keep an eye on that. So position breakdowns, I, you know, in the off season, we've seen a lot of um, transfer, the transfer portal has been big. So there might be some names that our listeners aren't aware of, but let's just, I know kind of the top of mind for, for Oregon state fans is, is the quarterback position. Um, Tristan Jebbia is back, um, ready to go from all accounts. Carter, what have you seen from that quarterback group? Even though it is, I mean, I guess they added Sam Neuer in the off season. Um, but what have you seen, uh, for, for two days? Well, the first thing that stands out is a healthy Tristan Jebbia. Uh, he's, you know, he's recovering from that hamstring tear that he suffered against Oregon. And, uh, we didn't see much of him in, in the spring. He really kind of just walked around and was, was more helping out with the quarterbacks. He wasn't really taking reps. Um, but he's out there it, going full speed. There's no restrictions on his mobility. Um, he, he's been really crisp actually, you know, he's, he's making a lot of throws that, um, would indicate that he's at, at full strength. And, and coach Lindgren yesterday said, uh, he's not quite there, but from everything that we've seen uh, sitting on the sidelines watching practice, he, he looks like he's very close to 100%. And I expect him to be full go for week one, whether or not he's the starting quarterback, because Sam Neuer comes in with a year of starting experience at Colorado. He's coming off a second team all Pac-12 season, and it's going to be tough to keep a guy like that out of the starting lineup, especially when he has that familiarity with Coach Lindgren's system. Um, I, I think the transition has gone really smoothly for him and two days into camp. One thing that stands out about him is just his size and athleticism. Uh, we, we were kind of joking around uh, with the coaches afterwards that he looks like Jake Luton out there wearing number six. He's, he's got a big frame, 6'4", 227. Um, I, I'm excited to see what he's going to bring to this offense. Cause I think he's got a true dual threat ability. Um, one question mark with him is that completion percentage that was around, I want to say 55% last year. Um, the key for this year is, is bringing that back up. And I think now that he's healthy, having recovered from a shoulder injury at late in the 2020 season, um, I, I think he's going to take a step forward if, if he steps into that starting spot. And then there's Chance Nolan. And I, we liked, you and I watched a lot of spring ball and we really liked what we saw from the young guy, Sam Vidlack. How are those guys? I, reading your report from Saturday, it looks like chance maybe had some couple rough passes, but ran with the ones. What are your thoughts on those two young guys or young guy and chance? Yeah. Chance the, the big thing for him in, in fall camp and really this entire off season is just working on his accuracy. And that, that was one thing that we saw in 2020 when he stepped in for Tristan Jebbia was he had the, the ability to get out of the pocket and make plays with his legs. He's got some arm strength, but the question is, can he put the ball where it needs to be? Um, and that's something that I'm watching closely uh, throughout fall camp. You mentioned, like I said, in, in, in the report yesterday, he did uh, get some reps with the first team in 11 on 11 and looked pretty good out there. Uh, the, the, the accuracy, I think, is still not quite where he'd want it, but um, with, with more practice reps, that's, that's going to continue to improve, I, in my opinion. 
uh, with with Vidlac, the arm strength just continues to to really jump out to me. He's got the strongest arm in the room, in my opinion, as a true freshman. Uh, a kid that came in here during what should have been his senior year of high school and really blew all of us away in the spring. And um, I am I'm still of the opinion that he's going to be a starting quarterback in the system before long. Uh, this is probably going to be more of a developmental year for him. And I, I honestly would even be surprised if he took many reps with even the second or third team in fall. Um, but when he's out there, he's making plays. And uh, I, I think the entire team is kind of excited to see what he can do. Yeah, he's got a moxie to him. And I, uh, this is a good time for me just to remind our listeners, if you want to read what Carter writes, and these aren't just like quick little practice reports. These are super detailed. They do. We house them in the lodge. Um, over the years, we've made a lot of our content free outside the paywall, but this is something it, it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, and it is in the lodge. And so um, it's a great time to join Beaver Blitz, join our discussions and be able to read all of Carter's great insights um, and the great reporting that he does. Um, so jumping, I must, we're going to just go through the offense and then we're going to switch over to the defense. Um, one question I think a lot of Beaver fans have uh, is the running back, you know, Jamar Jefferson declares early leaves the team, you know, BJ Baylor looks to be heir apparent. However, the Beavs go out and get uh, a transfer into Sean Fenwick from uh, South Carolina. Just give us a brief overview of those, of those running backs and, and what you've seen through the first two days of practice. Well, in the spring, it was kind of looking like this might be a, a running back by committee type approach, especially with AJ Stewart coming in as a new running backs coach. Uh, he's got some experience using that committee approach. Uh, but from everything that I've seen from Deshaun Fenwick, I believe that if there's anybody that's going to run away with this RB1 role, it's going to be him. He will be the featured back if if that's something that, that Oregon State wants to go with and, and have kind of a workhorse uh, like they've used Jefferson in that role before. Uh, Fenwick is, he, he's, a, he's a big body 6'2", 230 at, at the running back spot. You know, that's, he's a bruiser. He's going to push through that offensive line and he's, he's going to put a guy on the ground if, if that's what it takes to get a, a few more yards, but he does have some sneaky breakaway speed. Um, and, and that's kind of allowed him to break off a couple of really impressive runs already in fall camp, uh, multiple first, first down runs in the limited 11 on 11 that we've seen BJ Baylor right behind him, I think is equally as likely to end up in the starting role at this point, just based off his experience alone. You know, he's backed up Jamar Jefferson with with great ability over the last couple of years. And as a redshirt junior now, he's got multiple years of experience and multiple years of proven production at the Pac-12 level. And um, I, I think he's a, a starting caliber running back, not only on this team, but on a lot of teams across the Pac-12. So that one-two punch at the top of the depth chart, um, that's that's something that Oregon state has had for many years. And I think that's going to continue to be a strength, even in the absence of, of Jefferson. Anybody else catch your eye early? Trey Lowe is getting some first team reps and he's somebody that I'm, that I'm really excited to see in this offense. He comes from Washington uh, having played, I believe two years with the Huskies, a local guy went to Jesuit in Portland um, and he's, you know, he's, he's just an athlete. He's an all around athlete. He was an all purpose back out of high school and getting those first team reps in fall camp. That's, you know, that's, that's big. That's nothing to, to kind of, to, to scoff at. Um, 
I, what I, I don't love know. about Trey is the fact that, I mean, as, as talented as he is as a runner, I, I like him, you know, in the receiving role as well out of the backfield. Yeah, exactly. I, I think he's a guy with his speed and his agility that the coaches are going to want to get in positions to be successful. And so getting him the ball, whether it's in the backfield or as a receiver, uh, th- that's going to be part of the offense, I think, this year. So so Beaver fans, keep an eye out for Trey Lowe when the season rolls around. Um, Benwick, I think, are- is going to be a fan favorite, too. I go back to, to Deshaun, just has an energy about him and and has fun playing the game of football. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And then with some of the younger guys, um, a couple of guys to, to keep an eye out for as fall camp rolls along are Demir Collins, true freshman coming in from Jefferson. Uh, Teron Madison is continuing to, to kind of develop. He's now in his third year in the system. Um, and then who else? I mean, who am I forgetting? Isaiah, Isaiah Newell. Newell. Yeah. Another really strong runner who entering his second year now, he still has that, that true freshman eligibility. Um, if he could get some playing time, use a redshirt year, and then still have four years of eligibility, I think he's going to be a big part of the offense moving forward, especially if, like I said, he's able to, to see the field this fall and, and pick up some experience early in his career. I'm, I'm really excited to see him. And Demir, Demir Collins is one that huge pickup last year in recruiting battle for Oregon State and um, just definitely is a hard worker. So let's go. I'm going to give you a quick little break so we don't jump right into the wide receivers. We're going to go to tight ends. Uh, Tegan Quitoriano is currently kind of hobbled, uh, but talk a little bit about that group. Um, what you're seeing, I, I have, I've heard from coach Smith that, um, Luke Musgrave is, is looking really solid. And then you have, have some younger guys in that group as well. Musgrave, I think is one of those guys that has really improved in the weight room this summer. Uh, he was always, you know, he always had a really impressive frame, super athletic guy coming out of Ben senior high. Uh, but looking at him at, at day one and day two of fall camp. I I think his upper body strength is one thing that stands out. Um, his legs were all, they were always, they always looked like tree trunks. You know, he always had these huge legs, but now he's got a lot more definition in the arms. And I think that's going to be big, especially at the tight end position as he works to improve his blocking ability, because he's always been touted as this, this really impressive receiver. And he's shown a little bit of that early in his career, but the next step for him is, uh, not only shoring up his hands downfield, but also being able to block a little bit. Cause um, while Tegan Quatoriano is an elite blocker, he's going to get downfield too. And if you've got him down there as a receiver, you need somebody to help out uh, as a blocker if you're in those two tight end sets. So Musgrave is, is definitely, I think, primed for more of a breakout year this year, if he can limit the drops downfield. Yeah. Yeah. We, we saw some of that. Um, how about the young guys? Anybody stand out early on? Yes. Uh, let me pull up here. Jake Overman is, is, is getting some first team reps, especially with, with Tegan out. I think there's going to be opportunities for him to get a lot of, a lot of action throughout camp. Uh, Tommy Spencer got some run in the spring and he's working with the second team group right now. Those are both guys that have a year of experience under their belt. Uh, Overman played in that final game against Arizona state, caught a pass from Ben Goldrinson on the final drive. So um, if, if there's one young guy that's going to break out a little bit, get a little bit of a, a more playing time in the fall, I think it's going to be Overman. Overman. Um, but there are a lot of freshmen in this group. Uh, I, I've got the, the roster pull up here and I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven freshmen in the tight end room. Uh, obviously, a couple of those guys are, are COVID freshmen, if you will. Um, but there's a lot of young talent and a lot of newfound depth 
at the tight end spot. Yeah. And that's, that was a discussion in the lodge about best recruiter on the staff and, and coach was has been, uh, earning, earning his keep, uh, recruiting those tight ends. Let's jump over to wide receivers. Another room that has maybe changed some, uh, just with additions from the transfer portal. Talk to me about the wide receivers, maybe some new guys that are, are starting to, to catch your eye and, and what we're seeing from some of the vets. Before we dive into to some of the individual players, just off the top of your head, do you think this is the best receiving core Oregon State has had under Jonathan Smith? Absolutely. Abs- I mean, I was gonna, going to say the best tight end room, maybe the deepest that we've seen, but absolutely the deepest wide, re- or wide receiver group as well. I'm right there with you. And I think it starts with some of the newcomers, not only entering 2021, but some of the guys that came in last year, Zariah Beeson, Trishon Harrison. I mean, these are guys that could easily lead the team in in receptions as some of the newer guys on the roster. And that's, that's not a knock against Trevon Bradford, Champ Lemmings, Tajon Lindsay guys that have been around. It's just a testament to the type of talent that Jonathan Smith is bringing in at this key position. Um, I, I would fully expect Treshawn Harrison and Zariah Beeson to take another step in their development and lock up a starting role. But behind them, you've got John Dunmore, Micaiah Tung, both coming in from Power 5 programs as transfers, and they're both redshirt freshmen who could very easily see the playing field um, in, in their first year on campus. And Micaiah Tung in particular, I think with his build at 6'2", 223, He's he's far and away the biggest and strongest receiver on the field, and he's only a redshirt freshman. Yeah, and so for he's, Beaver he's fans got like, that. Go ahead. Oh, for Beaver fans that don't know, Makaya's dad is Reggie Tongue, former Beaver great back in the 1990s. Um, and we've seen Reggie. I don't know if Reggie's been around fall, but he was around like every single spring practice this this past season. Yeah, he's he's a guy. Makaya Tongue is that. I, I would look for to be kind of that that breakout guy this year. It, in in kind of the same way that Zariah Beeson came in as, as a young guy last year, as a first year player and kind of took the receiving core by storm. Uh, I think Micaiah Tung has that ability as well. Uh, Jimmy Volson is also another, uh, another young option that I think has kind of stood out in his limited opportunities so far. He had a really nice kind of stutter step hesitation move to get himself wide open 50 yards downfield the other day. Um, and so he, he's another Texas receiver and Oregon state has a, a great track record of, of bringing in receivers from Texas and turning them into, into stars. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Zariah is a, a Texas receiver and then going back, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a great pipeline to have. I, I agree with you talking about depth. And this was a question that I asked coach Smith on Wednesday was about um, just that depth. And if this is the, deepest he's felt his team has been since he's been here and feels the most comfortable. And he said, absolutely across the board. And I, I think looking at that, you know, we've talked about the depth that running back, the depth that wide receiver tight end, but how about that depth? When you look at offensive line, I, we all talk about how games are won and lost in the trenches. And I think that is so true. You have to be able to stop the run and you have to be able to run Um, this offensive line. What do you think? I mean, could this be one of the Beavers' best offensive lines if everyone stays healthy in the past five, ten years? Easily, in my opinion. Um, looking at at the projected starting lineup that I've got, 
I, I am making the argument that this is the best offensive line in the Pac-12. And I know that Washington brings back their entire line. Um, they've got a star in Jackson Kirkland up there. UCLA brings back their entire line and has a lot of experience down there. Um, but I think you'd be hard-pressed to find an offensive line that has not only as much experience as Oregon State's, but also just proven talent. Yeah. I mean, four, four of these five guys have all Pac-12 honors on their resume throughout their career. And Joshua Gray stepping in at, at left tackle as a true freshman and, and going second team. I mean, that's the caliber of player that this line possesses. Nathan Eldridge, first team center last year, arguably the best center in the conference. And then how about Jake Levengood stepping in as a first year starter last year when asked who stands out to him through the first two days of camp, Brian Lindgren said, Jake Levengood. That's on top of that's, that's, you know, saying we've, we've got skill position guys that we've talked about to this point who we, we think are going to break out and be stars on this team. And he points to Jake Levengood as the standout from the first two days of camp. So if he takes that next step in his, in his kind of development um, at left guard, and you could have five all conference starters at offensive line. And, and the backups are, have experience as well. Corbin Sorensen, for one, redshirt senior, sixth-year guy, transferred in from Portland State. I think he's the first guy off the bench. Um, If not, it could be Hanele Bloomfield, who's coming in from Utah State. Uh, He got a little bit of work with the first team yesterday. Um, But depth, I I think some fans have have kind of questioned the depth of the offensive line over the last couple of years. Uh, But I I think Coach Mahalachuk has proved that He's going to develop guys, whether they're in the starting lineup or whether they're at the very bottom of the depth chart. And I have full confidence that if anything were to happen to a starter, uh, there's going to be no drop off if if a backup comes in. Maybe a little drop off. Little bit. I mean, maybe maybe a little because <laughs> it is it is hard to to replace the production of an all conference guy. Well, it was it's it's interesting because on on Wednesday we got a chance to talk with Brandon Kipper. I know that's one of your favorite interviews, Carter. Um, so energetic and he tells us so much and, um, talking to, to Brandon about the O-line and then the young guys. And I, that's what I asked about was just coach Mahalachek's recruiting. You know, he said, Oregon state doesn't run an easy offense. Their scheme is difficult. Um, learning the blocking systems, learning, you know, learning all the plays is not easy. And he said, working with some of these guys, they're smart, they're athletic, they're, they want to learn. And then the older guys have really done a good job in taking those guys under their wing and, um, you know, he, he talked about the freshman this summer wanting to go work out and, and learn plays and would call, you know, Brandon or one of the older guys to come and just hang out and help him help him learn. So there is that brotherhood that we're starting to see that maybe we saw more under coach Riley back in the day with coach Kavanaugh. Uh, we're seeing that now develop, which only does, it does make them all better. Um, switching gears. I'm, this is, this is the, probably the position that most Beaver fans are concerned. I I would say concerned. And and I think, you know, the defense in order for the defense to take the next step that they want to take, it all stems on improvement up front at the D line. So they did go out, uh, secured a a transfer in Keontae Shad from Minnesota D tackle. Um, Tavis Shippen should be hundred percent healthy, should be participating. Uh, there's some questions there kind of in that defensive tackle position, but tell me what you've seen should Beaver fan, fans be excited? Should they be encouraged? Or is there still some concern on your part with that defensive front? Well, there's definitely concern, but I, th- I think the 
kind of the one point that we should make here with this D line is we all recognize that the success of this, the success of the team kind of hinges on the defensive line's ability to improve. I mean, we'll we'll say right now, the defensive line is not going to be any worse than it has been. That's for sure. Because of the additions that they've made via the transfer portal, because of the continued improvement from some, some starters that are back. Um, There's no way that they take a step backward this year. In my opinion, I think they're just continuing to improve. Um, And, and the personnel eventually is going to get there bringing in a guy like Keontae Shad, who has power five experience. He was one of the top junior college guys in the country uh, when he played there a couple of years ago, that's the caliber of player that Oregon state needs to bring in on their defensive line. If they're going to run a three, four defense uh, and, and have any success with it. Now, uh, another guy that I'd look at at defensive tackle is Thomas Seo, who Oregon state fans, uh, at least in the lodge have been really excited to see make that transition from O line to D line. He's listed right now at 6'3", 347, and he's actually a few pounds lighter than he was in the spring. That's been a point of emphasis um, from the trainers and the coaches is to get him uh, into a position where he can he can move around a little bit easier. And he actually ran with the first team yesterday in day two of camp. And uh, to see him take some reps at, at defensive tackle was good to see him out there. He looks like a natural defensive tackle with that size. Um, and he, he had an offsides in 11 on 11, but um, that's just, you got to work out the kinks a little bit as you make that transition. And um, I, I'm really excited to see what he brings to the defense because a big body in the, in the middle of a three, four uh, that's, that's going to help a lot. Yeah. It's, it's going to be huge. And then talk about the vets. I mean, we, we got to talk with Isaac Hodgins um, and then there's um, you know, some of the guys that have are back. What, you know, what are your thoughts there early? Yep. With Hodgins, Simon Sandberg, uh, those are two guys that I look to start on the edges. Um, I, I do think that Tavis Shippen has the potential to maybe slide in for Sandberg. Uh, he has taken some first team reps in the first couple of days of camp. Um, but those two are proven producers. And I, I know that the defensive line has really struggled as a whole, but Hodgins numbers over the last couple of years, I mean, he, he puts up numbers. He, he makes tackles. He gets into the backfield, um, and he's only continuing to get better at that. We saw, especially in the spring, I think his pass rushing ability has, has really developed. I think he's going to be more of a force there, getting some pressure on the quarterback. And if, if Sandberg can kind of return to the form that he showed at the end of his first year in 2019, that's going to be big for the group because his numbers did kind of take a, a, a slight step back last year as he kind of struggled to make tackles, but um, he has shown some flashes of, of being a real playmaker at this level. Yeah. So let's, let's go ahead and just talk about pass rush a little bit. Oregon state last year really struggled uh, in the pass rush department. Uh, two years ago, the Beavs were led by, by Hamilka Rashid um, who had an amazing year in 2019. And then a real, a really disappointing year. I, I think Ham would, would say the same thing. He was disappointed with his numbers. Um, who do you look, who do you, I mean, Addison gums is back, uh, you know, full time. Who do you see maybe being the breakthrough guy, um, outside linebacker pass rusher for Oregon state this, this fall. I, I think it needs to be Addison gums. Now it, it, he's, he seems to be fully healthy. I, I think they're still kind of trying to be cautious with him because he does have that long 
that long injury history with two torn ACLs and then uh, a hamstring injury that held him out for the entirety of 2020. They're going to be really cautious with him in the fall, but um, we have seen a little bit of him through the first two days. And if, if he can return to the form that he showed in those two starts that he made at the beginning of 2019, when he started over Hamaka Rashid, mind you, if he can show that and, and do that over the course of a 12 game, 12 game season, staying on the field, this pass rush is going to be in a good spot because on the other side, you've got Andre who's Murray, who, you know, he's not the biggest disruptor in the, in the, in the backfield, but he gets back there and he makes plays and, um, he, he's one of those guys that I, I look to, to, um, just to really be a steady force, I, I think in the linebacker room. And, um, if he can kind of continue to make progress in the pass rush, it, the, the defense would be in a good spot, uh, in, in that department. Yeah. Ryan Frankie's one to watch as well. Um, I I've heard he's transformed his body. Um, Andre is one of those guys and I keep pointing to Wednesday, but he was another player that we, we met with. And, and Andre is one of those guys that long time members of Beaver blitz and, and those that have followed blitz for a long time. No, I, I, I get my favorites. I get the guys that have, and, and it starts early. It, it starts with high school and the guys that are constant, they get back to me for interviews. And so, you know, James Rogers, Michael doctor, those are two that stand out, but Andre is right there. And I, I talked to him, we talked to him Monday or Wednesday at, at media day. And just a super impressive kid. This is a kid that's always on the, the Werfel Trophy for community service watch list. And he spoke about how important it was for him to give back to kids and, and really letting kids know that they can do anything that they put their mind to. Um, it, it was interesting. So I, after he taught, he spoke, I, I kind of went off just to just tell him good luck this year. And, um, you know, the type of kid that's really going to be going places. I mean, watch this kid. Um, he, he's going to do big things in life, but just talking to him, one off, no recording going, you know, first thing he says is, how is your son? Is, is he playing football? Is he playing baseball? How's your son doing? Um, and just a big smile. And we talked a little about what he wants to do. And, um, you know, he said after football, he wants to potentially go into sports psychology. Um, you know, and, and we talked a lot about mental health and, um, how important that is with, with student athletes, especially, um, and, and just the pressures put on, on these young people and, and adults too, kids, adults, everybody, and how important it is to take care of that, um, just, just an outstanding kid. So just a little aside there, because, um, I think sometimes we start looking at all these players as grown men, pro athletes, you know, like pro football players. And it's always interesting to me to see maybe the other side of them that a they're kids or they're people. Um, but to see the heart and, um, the side of them, that's not football to see the side of them that, um, is away from football and, and a passion that drives them. So watch, watch for him. I know he's excited. It's, it's his sixth season, him and Trevon Bradford, I think are the, the two grandpas on the team this year. Um, but I hope he stays healthy and I hope he does big things, but Ryan Frankie's one to watch, I think as well. Um, Riley, um, Riley sharp, Riley sharp. Let's John talk McCartan inside too. Yeah. But before we get to inside linebackers, John McCartan, I think McCartan. Is, is, is kind of primed for a rebound season. Um, with an open spot in the starting lineup at outside linebacker, if Addison Gums is not able to kind of claim that, um, I, I look for McCartan to slide in and, and have a big year because he's he does have some some production on his resume. Uh, two years ago, when they they got a lot of offensive linebacker production in the pass rush behind uh, behind Hamaker Rashid, he was one of those guys that was really really productive off the bench. Yeah, yeah, that. That group, I mean, 
again, going back to talking about depth, um, both, both linebacker spots, I, I think are in pretty good hands. Avery Roberts is back. His, his hand is, is healthy. Are they limiting him at all? Carter? I haven't seen it. Okay. He's, he's been out there pretty much full speed. Um, definitely more than in the spring in the spring, he wasn't even participating in 11 on 11, but he's been out there in pretty much every drill that I've seen. So I, I think he's, I think he's fully, I think he's fully back to being Avery Roberts. And then Omar Spates would be your other, other starter. Um, I, I figure those guys are, are taking the first team. Who else are you seeing off the bench? Well, so for, first of all, I mean, let's, let's not brush over the fact that those two are the reigning number one and number two in the Good pack. Point. Pack. Good call. I mean, we, we've got, we've got two bona fide stars on this, on this defense. And um, if, if they can continue that production, I, I think the defense is going to keep taking steps forward. Uh, but behind them, it's, it's Jack Coletto, I, I think is the, the primary backup there. And Jack Coletto is another one of those guys that Beaver fans love. We love, we love covering him because he's just this versatile kid. Who's, who's going to put his, he's going to put his body on the line for the team, you know, he's, and, and he's play wherever throw, they need him. Exactly. He's, he's going to throw himself at, at guys in special teams. He's going to barrel through the, the offensive line. He's going to barrel through the trenches as, as a running quarterback. Um, and I, then, I swear if they said they needed a water boy, I'm sure, I'm sure he <laughs> would uh, step up and help. Yeah. And, and then this, entering this what second, third year as a linebacker. Now, I think he's really comfortable at that position. Uh, and we actually talked to him after practice yesterday. And uh, he, he's another one of those guys that always has a smile on his face. And he's, he's always willing to spend his time with the media. And um, he, he's really accommodating for us and uh, just another great kid. But um, I, I'm kind of excited to potentially see Easton Mascarenas at inside linebacker. I think if true if freshman, yeah, I think if there's a true freshman that's going to crack the rotation on this defense, it's going to be him uh, entering the year as as Oregon State's kind of prized recruit in this last cycle. Uh, he's he's got the athleticism, I think, to step into a Pac-12 uh, caliber defense. How about John Miller out of Tualatin? Still more of a special teams guy, in my opinion, at this point. Um, I know that he has some potential and I've seen a little bit of him at inside linebacker with more of like the, the third team groups when they go live. Um, and he's somebody that I would look for more like maybe next year or the year after to break into the rotation um, as, as guys like Avery Roberts and Omar Spates move on. I think he's a big part of the future for sure. But with the depth at inside linebacker, um, it's, it's going to be tough for really any younger guy to, to crack the rotation with, some of those more experienced and really talented veterans ahead of them. Do you, do you see Easton though? Maybe uh, getting a play, maybe second team. Potentially, yeah. It's it's been Kyrie Fisher in the in the second team alongside Coletto, but no. Like I said, if if there's any freshman on this team that's going to crack the rotation, I, I think it would be Mascarenas. Okay, good to know. You heard it here first, Beaver fans. Um, let's jump into defensive backs. Coach Blue, one of our favorite coaches to talk with, um, always gives some some great insight and probably one of the toughest love coaches on the team. I mean, um, he expects a lot out of his players, but his players love him. Um, Jaden Grant's been out the first couple of days of practice. Who, you know, are you are you seeing? I, I've heard really good things about Rajon Wright. Um, who else is Alton Julian? Who else is uh, standing out to you? 
Yeah, Rajon's the, the one guy in that defensive back room that I think is just going to take everybody by surprise this year. Um, he had an absolutely outstanding spring camp, by far the breakout player of, of camp, and, and defensive coordinator Tim Tibisar echoed that without hesitation when we talked to him at the end of camp. Um, and he's he's just continued to impress. He had a diving interception uh, at, the, at the line of scrimmage. He kind of jumped an out route, uh, and that's that's the level of play that we've seen from him over the last couple of months as he started to really kind of entrench himself in this defense, get more comfortable with the speed of the FBS game. And I, I think a lot of Oregon State fans, and I, I think we were maybe part of this this too, entering last season, we looked at him and his his recruiting profile and said, oh, this is a guy that should come in right away and be an instant contributor. But you, you can't forget that these JUCO guys – it, it takes them a little bit of time to get used to the speed of the game because yeah, they're talented and, and yeah, they have the potential to be um, all stars on these teams, but in a COVID year where you don't have very much contact with coaches and, and you're not working with your teammates as much in the, the lead up to the season, I think it was difficult for some of those Juco guys to step in right away. And um, now that he's had almost a full year of, of practice and, and game experience under his belt, it's really starting to click for him and, um, he's going to be so exciting to watch as he fills in for his brother, who's now making plays for the Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, and kind of surprised Beaver fans, but uh, he's doing, doing great things down there in Dallas. How, who else is, you know, I, I'm thinking down the, the line, you have Jojo Forrest, Achille Arnold, Alex Austin, I said, Alton Julian, There's a, there is a slew of DBs. I Josiah Irish made the move over. Mm-hmm. Um, Elijah Jones is, oh, yeah, is one guy from that Kansas. I think, yeah, I think he slides in at the other defensive back spot. Um, he, he's going to compete tooth and nail with Alex Austin. Those two, I think, are the the two guys that are battling for that other spot on the other side of Rajon. Okay, at corner. Um, at, at corner, yeah. But Jones comes in as a senior. Uh, he's a grad transfer from Kansas. You know, Kansas plays against some high-flying offenses in the Big 12, and uh, he's he's been tested by some of the elite receivers in the in the country. Um, and he comes in, like I said, with that experience, with that playing time. And, um, he's, he's been, he's been fun to watch out there as he kind of gets used to the, the Oregon state system. I, I think he does have a real shot of being a contributor in, in any capacity, but especially if he's able to slide into the offense or into the starting lineup. How about safety? What, who do you like at safety right now? Achille Arnold for sure is, is firmly entrenched in the lineup. Um, he was really, when, when you look at the stat sheet last year, he was the breakout player on the defense. Uh, he nearly led the team in tackles if, if not for those inside linebackers. And, um, he had that, he had, a, he forced a fumble against Washington. And if I remember correctly, I think he was the one that tipped the pass against Cal, um, that ended up being intercepted to, to clinch the game. So he's, he's made a couple of really big plays. Uh, he was one of my breakout candidates going into last year, and he fully delivered on that. Um, so as a redshirt freshman, he's he's going to be a big-time playmaker at the back end of that defense alongside what appears at the moment to be Alton Julian stepping into a full-time starting role. Uh, Kitano Ladapo, former walk-on, or it might still be a walk-on. I don't know if he's earned his scholarship. Um, he was another one of those breakout type of guys last year that could maybe compete with uh, with Julian for a starting role, but right now it's it, it looks like Julian and Arnold on the back end of the defense. 
I, what I want to see when I, when I come down to, to practice this week is, you know, what I want to see more from Julian is, is just being physical. I, I think I, at times he shied away last year from contact and, and I want to see him get his nose in there and, and wreck some havoc. How comfortable do you, I mean, I know you said that the defense is going to be better, but how much better can they be? Well, it, it really, like we've said, we, we continue to harp on this, but it just depends on how much better the defensive line is. Um, the pass rush, I, I think, will be a little bit better, especially if Addison Gums gets back. He's going to help out from the linebacker spot. But really, I, I think the key for this team is being able to limit big plays in the running game because too many times we see teams get into a, a third and five or third and six and they're able to run the ball in what should be a passing down because they know that they can get five or six yards on the ground uh, with, with regularity and uh, being able to shore that up, having a big body in the middle of the line and either shad or CO, I think is going to help with that. Um, and if they're able to get teams off the field on third downs at a higher rate, they could cut their, their scoring total down by, I mean, maybe as much as, as, as much as even a touchdown, I, I think would be the ceiling for the defense is um, being able to limit teams to maybe a touchdown less per game. And if that happens, this team's going to win a lot of games. They're, they're yeah. going to make a bowl game. If that happens, um, the, the problem right. is the problem is I just haven't seen enough right now to make me believe that they're going to reach that ceiling. I, yeah. I need to see continued improvement through fall camp. And then in, in the first couple of games of the year, they have mm-hmm. to prove it. Yeah. And that's, you're, you're so right on You're spot on there. The defense, how many times did we see it? Like you said, third and five, or even fourth down fourth and six, fourth and seven, um, third and long, and they were able to get first down. So being able to cut that and it, and it is, it's, it's stopping the run on defense and allowing the run opening holes on offense. Um, how about special teams? Have they done much special teams in the first two days? A little bit. Yeah. So kind of interesting Oregon state entering fall camp only had one kicker on the roster with, with Everett Hayes coming back. Uh, Josh McCormick is on campus now. So Hayes will have a little bit of competition there, but it's his job all the way. And he just continues to improve. And um, we've seen what he's been able to do over the last two years since he, he slid in as the the primary kicker for Jordan Shukare back in 2019 um, as at, at the punter spot. It, it's a two-man, kind of a two-man job right now with Luke Losher and Josh Green. Both of them have a really strong leg. I think Losher has the stronger leg, um, and he's a lefty, so he can do some interesting things that you're not going to see from a typical right-footed punter. Uh, but Coach Smith has kind of hinted at maybe using both of them um, for for variety. I think they have some goals that they want to accomplish in the punting game, um, and they can both they can use both guys to kind of do different things. Um, at one, one position that gets overlooked all the time and is, is really, really important is long snapper and Dylan black, the, the Beavers long snapper. He's, he's a young kid, uh, redshirt freshman still, I think after that COVID year, um, he, he suffered an injury in spring camp that coach Smith kind of mentioned, but didn't really go in depth on. And he mentioned that he was. Uh, the one guy at the end of the spring that he anticipated missing all of the fall and day one, he's out there going full speed. And that's big because without him on the field in the spring, I saw a lot of high snaps, a lot of low snaps. 
um, that that really just that that killed plays in in the spring. Um, but to have him out there, I it's been he's been totally consistent, looks to be fully healthy, and um, that's one thing that, like I said, it, it gets overlooked. But if he's not out there, I, I think Beaver fans are going to be a little concerned with what they see in special teams. Totally overlooked, and and thank you for bringing up a long snapper because it's it is one of the they they get no love unless they make a mistake, and then everybody knows their name. Uh, well, th- I think this is a great. For, we have not done a, a damn podcast in a while. So um, I want to remind our listeners, if you've made it this far with us, damn questions will be back next week. So submit your questions in the lodge or on Twitter at Carter Baines. And that is B-A-H-N-S or at Angie Machado one, the numeral one, or just at Beaver Blitz um, again, the lodge as well. So get us your questions, anything fall camp related, football related, um, we're going to stick with football right now, just because that is where we're spending all of our time and we can give you the most thorough answer, but we will pick some next week. Um, Carter and I will be back next week and uh, we'll start digging in a little deeper into this fall camp. Who's looking good. Who's, who's struggling, who has some work to do injuries, all that good stuff. Uh, Carter, anything to add before we, uh, before you uh, take a little siesta tonight before another hot day on the practice field tomorrow. That's that's the one thing I was actually going to mention is the weather this week. I'm a little bit concerned about those 100 degree days because uh, Jonathan Smith said after the first day of practice, we're, we're going and we're practicing outside and we're not doing anything differently next week. And um, after, after spending the last two days out there on the sidelines in 75 to 80 degree heat, under the bright sun, I, I can't imagine what it's going to be like Wednesday and Thursday. So um, not only do the players need to stay hydrated, I, I think you and I need to make sure that we're drinking our water, bringing our sunscreen, because it's a little brutal out there at noon. I, I'm looking, though, and we're, we're doing we're taping this over Zoom and I could use the sun. Carter is super tan. I am not. So I actually spent the weekend in Walla Walla checking out, uh, we're celebrating a friend's anniversary and, um, but keeping up in the lodge and with Carter on what was going on. So yeah, 106 is what it says per my phone right before I jumped on. Um, and again, I just want to remind folks to jump on Beaver Blitz. We would love to have you join our, our site. Um, we've been around since 2002. If you haven't, if you're not familiar with what Beaver Blitz is, we're part of the CBS sports family, um, 24 seven sports family, um, recruiting football basketball, baseball, um, and really the, the most insight you're going to find on the football program anywhere. So jump in, join us. Um, there may be a promo right now. I do expect a promo from national coming in the next week or so. Um, but there might be one right now, actually. So go check it out, get in the lodge and, uh, would love to see you. And we'll be back next week for another episode of the damn podcast.